0: Right, That's right, chapter 12, 147, the role of the man, the husband, and the father. Okay, we're getting there, that's right. Hey, page 147, now, what we talked about this whole issue is the standard of manhood. And we saw that that's the reason why we got some serious trouble today, not just in society, but even in the church, is because who is defining the standard for manhood today? By and large, it is the world, or it could be feminism, or it could be everything's all messed up. And aren't you glad that that does not infect the church one iota? Yes, I'm being heavily sarcastic tonight. Pfft, it's dripping out. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case, man. It's all messed up, okay? And that's where we talked last time. Well, let's just clear the uh, playing field. Let's get back to basics and uh, let us see uh, what is going on with a godly man from the Bible, okay? Now, why is that important? I don't know. I got a theory that goes like this. God's the one who made us, including men. Right, men? Right? right? Okay. And uh, so, therefore, if he made us, I kind of think he would know the best way we're supposed to live. I know that's a really complicated theory, but it works for me, okay? As well as women. We'll get to that in the next chapter, Lord willing, and children as well. He's the one that made us. And we saw it's very clear in the scripture, okay, that as a godly man, manhood, you want to be a real man? Be God's man, okay? And people, in fact, you think about people, when they act worldly and they're they're tough and violent or whatever, how society portrays it, oh yeah, and kill each other, oh yeah, that's the guy, you know, and all this stuff. Really? You want to know a man with real strength? You know, there's a word, man, I'm digressing already. There's a word in the Bible, uh, it's called meekness, right? And meekness in the scripture, Jesus, of course, demonstrated what that really means, okay? Blessed are the meek, okay? They'll inherit the, the, the earth, but, but, uh, but meekness, okay, people look at that, the world, they, they equate that with weakness, okay? That's not what it is. Meekness is actually uh, subdued strength, Okay, and 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 hey, it, it takes no effort whatsoever to be just like the man of the world, you know, uh, violent or uh, curseful or uh, lustful or what. Woo-hoo-hoo. What big deal is that? You want to be a man? Subdue that. Show your strength and follow Jesus Christ. That's a whole lot more. Uh, takes uh, strength in that. And of course, Jesus demonstrated that meekness on the cross when he was being murdered on the cross. The Bible says he could have called down 10,000 upon ten He could have nuked the planet. And he subdued that for the greater good. Anybody glad about that? Yeah, amen. Okay, that's meekness. But as a godly man, we're not to be like this world. whoop de doo dah You want to demonstrate your uh, strength as a man? <clears throat> we saw there, page 148, you need to be above reproach, okay? Uh, you need to be a husband of one wife, literally a one-woman man. It, you need to love the one you're with, okay, is what it means. You need to be temperate, meaning sober-minded. You need to be prudent. In other words, demonstrate self-control. You're not out of control. You need to be respectable, which means honorable, hospitable, okay? Uh, able to teach, okay? In other words, you're not just you can teach. You're a warm body and can breathe out words or read a page. It means skilled in teaching. Okay, which means you need to be a student of the Scripture if you want to be God's man. Uh, not addicted to wine. Not pugnacious, which means you're given to violence. Which means you're the guy. Okay, a uh, pugnacious is you, you're the guy who always wants to win the argument. You're the guy who always has to have your way. If you don't get it, you're going to get violent and you're going to do blah blah blah. Just You're not supposed to be that way. And then, in fact, flip it around, you're supposed to be gentle. Doesn't mean you can't speak up. Doesn't mean you gotta sit there and just, well, I can't say nothing. No, but even in your response, it's done in a gentle, uh, uh, uncontentious way. Not a lover of money. Uh, Know how to manage your own household. Why? Because here you are, especially in the uh, leadership of the church that men are supposed to lead in the church. If you can't manage your own house, what in the world are you doing thinking you're gonna help out in the house of God? I don't know about you, but uh, analogies that I rely upon on is that uh, in the church as a pastor, okay, uh, let's say there's 200 folks at uh, sunrise or whatever, uh, it's like taking care of 200 kids. It's a family. Some kids are older, some are teenagers, some are more maybe in college years or whatever, okay, uh, spiritually, okay, some are babies, some are toddlers, whatever, but it's a family, all right, and that's why he's saying, man, if you can't even take care of your own household, how are you going to take care of the family of God, all right, you need to be that man as well. And then, of course, the big one, right, you need to back it up with your life, and that was the last thing we saw, and that is the issue of holiness.? All right? You need to live a holy life. Why? Because God says, uh, "Be ye holy because I am holy." All right? I've called you to live a life of holiness. Why? Because that's who God is. That's his core attribute. God is not just love. He's not just just. He's not just righteous. God is holy, He is holy, He is holy. And we are to emulate that, we are his children. And so we are to walk around as he is, holy. Now we don't do that in our own strength, we do it by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And that's a whole nother thing we've already dealt with. But let's get down to this issue, the bottom of page 150, where we left off. What is the role of man in society? Okay, because you can't live in a box. Anybody ever tried to live in a box? Anybody ever get your hands on a big old box growing up? Isn't that cool? You know, we found one growing up in Kansas. Robert, you ready, buddy? We're going to bond. <laughs> you and me right now, buddy. Kansas, there's nothing to do. Patrick, can I get an amen? Okay, preacher, preacher, right? Okay. <laughs> there's nothing to do, man. So you always, unfortunately, at least I did. I got in big trouble, right? But you're bored out of your gourd, man. You got nothing to do. And so we'd always go around the creeks and the rivers or whatever, and they're all dirty, and, uh, whatever. Leeches, the whole nine yards. But that's cheap entertainment, man, ripping leeches off you. And then you try to flush them down the toilet, and they don't stay down. And your uh, sisters freak out. Man, that was awesome. I got in trouble, but it was awesome. But anyway, so, but you're going around rivers and stuff. You got nothing to do. And I kid you not, it was like Christmas, 15 times over. We found not just a box, because the river had this embankment. It went down right into the water. We found a piano box. Oh, it was huge. It was so huge that three or four of us could get in it all at one time. You know what I'm saying? And of course, we decided what we're going to do. We got to go down into the river. From that, thing? yeah, you know where it's going. Yeah, whatever. But anyway, you can't live in a box. I don't even recommend living in a box. I learned the hard way, especially with other people in that box. Okay, that hurts. But uh, uh, you have to be in society, right, as a Christian. We, we, we don't live in a bubble, okay? In fact, God doesn't want us to live in a bubble, okay? Don't go off and become a Christian and hide on the hills, okay? Uh, we talked about this before historically. This is one of the, the problems uh, of the early church, and that the church went into what's called the Dark Ages. Okay, after Constantine, then he had the birth of the Roman Catholic Church and it got into very dark and it was dark until the Reformation for, gosh, what was that? For a thousand years? For a thousand years, Western civilization, the dark ages. Well, what happened is there was a movement that went on. It was called the monastic movement, okay? And these spiritual guys okay, jettisoned themselves from society and went up in these cloisters and these caves and all this stuff and one benefit from that monastic movement is these were the guys who were making the copies of the Bible which helps us to get the accurate portions of what we have today. So that's a benefit. But they checked out of society. Well, when the Christians check themselves out of society, what happens to the society? (laughs) We're the salt and the light, man. Okay. So we're not supposed to check out. We're not to live in a box. Certainly don't go in that piano box, okay? But what we're called to do is not live monastic. We got to get out there in society. But this is what this whole issue, as men, okay, what kind of example? This is all about, this study tonight, is all about your witness in society. And specifically, we're going to look at uh, passages that deal with your workplace. Do you really think it's by chance that you work where you work? I'll even extrapolate a little bit more. Do you really think it's by chance you live where you live? Do you really think it's by chance you married who you married? Do you really think it's by chance your neighbors are who your neighbors are? No. Of all places on the planet, why there, wherever you're there is? I'll guarantee you that if the person or people around you, workplace, neighborhood, whatever, are not Christians, hmm, and they're still breathing, that comes in handy. What does God want you to do? Witness, right? Now, one of the worst things to do, and if it's bad enough to try to get Christians to witness, unfortunately, which is a privilege, by the way, okay, but we need to back it up with our lives, okay, and we're going to take a look at several passages. What is the role of man in society, specifically in the workplace? And ladies, pay attention, because this works for you uh, if you find yourself in that uh, situation, okay? We need to be godly. We not just need to share the gospel, uh, but you need to back it up with your life. I'm not saying be perfect, But you need to back it up with your life, okay? There's nothing worse than having a Christian come to you and witness about Jesus, and five minutes later, they're cursing out the boss. People aren't dumb, okay? You need to be consistent. Let's take a look at that. The Christian man there says he should be leading, okay, he's your blank there, leading the way in society by his godly Example. He's called on to be the salt and light of the world, just as the above character qualities indicate. Now, we're going to see five different things in this little paragraph here that we're called uh, to emulate in society. Number one, what you're going to see is we are to be the model. Model what? Model employee... Or employer, okay? Because sometimes you'll find yourself either in a management, if you will, position, or you do own a business, Christian business, okay? How are we supposed to behave? How are we supposed to demonstrate our manhood in society, in the workplace, okay? Let's take a look at that. Uh, the first one is Ephesians chapter six. Let's turn there. We're going to do a lot of flipping tonight. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians, do you do? Anybody ever sing when you flip to the Bible? You ever do that? Obviously, I'm a unique one. <laughs> anyway, Ephesians chapter six is our first passage. How are we supposed to act there? What does it mean to be a model, uh, employer, employer? Uh, chapter six, verses five through nine. Let's take a look at there. And um, if you get there, say moo. Moo, that's a good one. Slaves and masters, huh? Isn't that awesome? Sometimes you do feel like a slave at work, don't you? You know what I'm saying? That'll preach. Okay. And, and sometimes, yes, there was slavery and it was harsh treatment. But uh, I think it's a very good understanding, too, of what's going on here. Because a lot of times in the, the culture there, they were compensated. They were being taken care of. Like, we would earn a paycheck, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So I think there is a good parallel, even though it's not true slavery in the sense. But then again, that's a whole other can of worms in some workplaces. All right, let's take a look there. It says this. Slaves, okay, obey your earthly ma- masters with what? respect and fear and with what sincerity of heart just as you would obey who what are you serious obey them not only to win their favor okay hey i gotta get that raise right i'm hoping to get that day off so i'm gonna act really nice today no he says this okay only to win their favor he says when their eyes on you but like slaves of christ did you know that god sees everything we see yeah. Did you know that God sees everything uh, at all times, including how we behave out in society? Did you know that God sees the things we're doing, even though our employer may not see us, but God does? So we need to have an attitude. we're not really serving Him. We're going to see this throughout these passages. We're serving Jesus Christ, and we do what we do because of Him, in spite. Of our employer, let's take a look. He continues on. He says, not just uh, when their eyes on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, uh, 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 not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Now, that's in the if you will slave that the employee situation. Now, listen, if you're in a management or if you will a business owner, listen to this. He says, now masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. You're gonna lose your job. I'll fire you. I'm going to give you your vacation when you want. Right? He says, don't do that. He says, don't threaten them since you know that he who is both their master, capital M, and yours is in heaven. And you're going to see this phrase. There is no favoritism with him. Right? God is level playing ground. You get out of line as a Christian employee, you're going to get a spanking from God. You get out of line as a Christian employer, you're going to get a spanking from God. Right, God is watching the whole thing. You are on display in the workplace. And when you work, okay, you need to do it as unto Jesus Christ. Yes, it's in working with other people. Yes, it's working in the business. But you're really doing it to Him. Why? Because it's an area of service to Him. Why? Because you're on display for Him. And we're going to see that very clearly. How you act in the workplace, even the secular arena, is giving people a positive view of Christ... Or a negative one. Right? It's very, very, very important. Okay, let's take a look at the next passage. Colossians chapter 3. Take it right there. Colossians 3, verse 22 through 25. Okay. Let's take a look there. Once again, 22 slaves. He says this, slaves obey your earthly masters. And how much? Everything. So if my boss tells me to uh, cheat on this report or go rip off a liquor store for him, I'm supposed to do it. No, obviously that's with common sense. You need to understand that anything, even in Romans 13, when it says to obey your earthly authorities, uh, that doesn't mean that if our government asks us to do something that is ungodly, that we do it. Okay, that's, that's the, the rub there. But he says, obey them. Okay, he says there and everything and do it. Not only, notice the phrase there, not only when their what's on you. Right. So whether your boss is there, or whether he's not there, what are you supposed to do? S- still do it. Why? Because who's watching you the whole time, Christian? We know this. The world doesn't. But we do. God. Your boss might not see you, but God sees you. Okay? Is what he's saying. Okay? He says, not, and not just to win their favor. Again, only, you're only a good employee when you want something. And then when after you get what you want, or you come back from vacation, you already got what you want, uh, then you go back to goofing off. No. Consistency. Is what he's talking about. But with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord. Not for men. Since you know that you're going to receive an inheritance for the Lord. The Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Okay. Anyone who does wrong. Will be paid for the wrong. And here it is. There is no favoritism. Right. And listen, masters, again, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Are you starting to see a consistent pattern here? Okay. Whatever you do, you need to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at another one. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter six. Keep hanging right there. 1 Timothy chapter six. Verses one through two. All right. 1 Timothy Chapter 6. Let's take a look here. It says, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect. Whoa. Why? Listen. So that God's name and our teaching may not be what? I had this so drilled in my head uh, when I was in Bible college. Of course, I was going to school at night working full time. I was part of the night group. Okay? And almost all of us there uh, we had to work to pay for everything so we're working full-time and the, i had an instructor; I always drilled this in in our head he says listen i don't care what you do as a christian i don't care what your employment is okay i don't care if you're flipping burgers here's the point you better be the best burger flipper there ever was for jesus christ i don't care what your job is okay you need to excel at it you need to do the best at it why because listen you don't want to be the rotten employee you don't want to give into the the, the the slander, the gossip, the baloney, the complaining, the whining that all the other employees are doing about the workplace. You are the model employee. Nobody, nobody can outflip you, man, at McDonald's. Okay? You, you are that model employee. Why? Because you know that, listen, it's more than just a paycheck. It's a witness that's on the line. The people know you're a Christian. And if you act just like the world... What's the logical conclusion? Well, hey, Jesus ain't working for you. Guess I don't need it either. You act and speak and behave just like me, right? But when you continue to do it as unto the Lord Jesus Christ and you excel in whatever you do, I mean, what does, whoo. Now, listen, I've been there, done this before. Um, sometimes your fellow employees will start to dis, uh, despise you for that. But your employer sure appreciates it. And then usually that's when they entrust you with more responsibility which usually stirs up more trouble with the Ease, But listen, you do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because I don't want my behavior in the secular arena. I could be working any place in the universe, but why here, God? Because these people don't know you and the last thing I want to do as thank you for this job, thank you for the ability to provide for the family. I appreciate that. But and, uh, that's just a means to an end. The primary purpose there is a mission field. And I don't want my behavior to slander your name or the teachings of Jesus Christ. Okay, and that's what he's talking about there. We have to excel. We have to have that attitude, okay? And he says this, those who have been, have believing masters, listen, are not to show less respect for them. They got in a Christian employer. You're a Christian, you work for a Christian employer, right? You don't show less respect for them uh, because they're brothers. Don't, don't take advantage of that. Instead, they're to serve them even better, because those who benefit from your service are believers and dear to them these are the things you are to teach and urge on them hey guys i can't tell you how many testimonies I, it breaks my heart of people who are christian businessmen christian employers and they they tell me this i can't believe this they tell me the one group of people they they even one guy even got to the point i i i give up i will never this is a christian I will never hire another Christian in my business again. Because they find out they got a Christian employer and they really goof off. And what's Paul say? Are you, what are you, nuts? I mean, we're supposed to do what's right anyway, but this is your brother in Christ. Serve him even more. Because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Love one another, right? Absolutely uh, crazy is what he's talking. Let's take a look at another one there. Uh, Titus, keep flipping to the right. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. Okay. He says this. He says there, uh, 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 verse 9, he says, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters and, here it is, everything, to try to please them. Oh, here's one. And not, whoa. Whoa. Not talk back to him, what? I don't have to do that, how come? So and so didn't have to do that, why are you asking me to do it? You know what your attitude should be? Because remember, you're serving Jesus Christ, you're representing Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a paycheck, but that's not your primary purpose. And until we get that as Christians, we're always gonna get messed up. The number one reason why you work Christian, where you work, is as a witness unto Jesus Christ. And then that's also, number two, is your witness uh, mission field. Okay, then yes, it's a thing that God has provided for you to earn a paycheck. If you think your paycheck comes first, you're missing it. It's a witness about Jesus Christ serving him, okay, and number two, you're supposed to tell other people about Jesus, okay? And that's what he's talking about here. He says, listen, don't be talking back to them. What kind of a witness is that? You're being disrespectful, okay? He says, Try to, and, he says and not steal from them, but listen, it was just a ream of paper, right, And again, even though the employer might not know, who's watching? Good thing he plays favorites and he won't discipline you. That's the code word for yeah, right. Okay. Uh, Southern Hebrew, I think. Whatever that was. Okay. What? No. If it's just a couple pencils, they ain't going to miss them. What? No. Above reproach. Okay. he says this, but to show that they can be, listen, fully trusted. Listen, your boss should trust you so much as a Christian that he in his office has his safe full of wads of cash, leaves the thing open and says, hey, can you watch my office for me while I go out to lunch? And literally can leave in peace. Because he's seen your consistent behavior. Listen, I, this guy not only has a great attitude, he's very respectful. Doesn't mean you can't discuss and maybe even disagree, but he's disrespectful. Don't talk smack. And they're the, my best worker I've ever had. Uh, and, and, and I can trust this guy. He always follows through. I can trust him. He never rips anything off from me. This is awesome. I trust That's the level of confidence, that's the level of witness. You, I mean, think about it. A Christian businessman doesn't want to hire Christians. We should be so doing this for the Lord Jesus Christ that non-Christian employers say, I only want to hire Christians. You ever in your secular workplace wish that the people around you would get saved? You're something convicted. You ever think that the reason why they're not getting saved is because of Our behavior. And that God's got us there to be that consistent witness. And and, and on the one breath, we might speak about Jesus. But on the other breath, we whine and complain and disrespect and cheat and lie and steal just like them. We're missing out on it, okay? And let's continue on. That's what he says. He says, and they can be fully trusted so that in every way, listen to this, it's about a witness, guys. In every way, they will make the teaching about God and our Savior what? attractive. Do you get it? That you are there on display doing this unto Jesus Christ as a witness to him to make Jesus look attractive. How do you do that? How do you do that, Christian? Listen, because I work with the same guy too. He's nasty. He's mean. He's not worthy of respect. He does cheat us, okay? He's always putting this baloney on us. He doesn't even follow through with his word, but you consistently do your job and you excel at it. You always have this great attitude. How can I get what you got? What is it? Is it a pill? I like what J. Vermagee says. It's the gospel. Okay. And you can have it for free. It doesn't cost you. No prescription. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're called to be. Okay. We need to be that model employer employer carrying out his task each day as unto the Lord. Okay. Number two, godly man, you are to be sexually, okay, pure. Okay, as a godly man, okay? And I think sometimes, I'm not saying that ladies don't have temptations in this area, but a basic nature of men is men are usually more visually orientated, okay? And our society and the enemy knows that. And so he will throw all this sexually, visually stuff at us to try to get us to live impure, okay? Let's take a look at there. He must remain sexually pure by fleeing, not flirting, fleeing immorality in thought and deed. First Thessalonians chapter four, turn there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come here. There you go, Sparky. It's always tucked in there. First Thessalonians. Let's take a look there. Chapter four, verses one through eight. Let's say, living to please God. Wow, isn't that a neat concept? Do you think maybe we should try that once in a while? You know what I'm saying? What does the world say that when we get out of bed every single day? What is the mandate for that day according to the world? Me, living to please me. And of course, you have to sing like that. You might sing like that when you get up. Praise God. That's right. Now you know why we have a two-story house in my house. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so, but uh, only on Thursdays, no. Uh, but uh, living to please me, right? Me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. It's all about me. Self-love, self-esteem, self respect self, 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 self. The customer's always right. It's you, 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 right? Christian, Jesus said, first of all, esteem others better than yourself. And if you want to be his disciple, the first thing he says, you need to deny yourself. Self is down there. And your number one mission, you want to see out of trouble? You want to start to at least get on the right path before you even get out of the house? Wake up and say, God, please, by the power of your spirit, cause this life today to please you in everything. I can't do it, but I know your spirit can cause it because it's not about me anymore. I need, I need to decrease, you need to increase. It's about you, Jesus. I'm your vessel. Praise God for the privilege of even being your vessel and then I'm not going to hell. Would you please use me? With this life today, would you please cause it to be pleasing to you? That's what we should say every single day, and at least we get started out right. Instead of it's all about me, what I'm going to do, I want to do this, and I want to do this. I can't wait this. And there's a man, you're already started off wrong. You're in a heap of trouble. Okay, let's take a look. Living to please God. Okay, finally, brothers, we instructed you. Uh, How to live in order to please God. Oh, Pastor Billy, if I only knew how to live a life that would put a smile on God's face, how to please, oh, if I only. Pay attention, it's right here. Okay? Uh, As in, in fact, you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Okay? For you know what instruction we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will. Oh, Pastor Billy. I I just, I've been praying for a long time. And it's just so mysterious. It seems so elusive. If only I knew God's will for this life. Read the Bible. (laughs) Here's one thing. And it'll keep you busy all day. Okay. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Meaning set apart for him. Because it's about him now, right? that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen, not like the world who don't know God, and that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. Don't bring that in the church. Don't treat the Christian community, the church, like a meat market. I've had to discipline guys, man. One was on the East Coast, and it's like, dude, this guy, was he came to the church, and he was just, whoo, I just, I just finally, when I caught on to what was going on, come here, bye. And he was using the young women of the church, seduce them, it, ooh, ooh, anyway, so, but don't bring this in the church, he says, okay? Don't take advantage of them. The Lord's gonna punish for all such sins as we've already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction uh, does not reject man, but God, who gives you the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're just being legalistic. You're one of those old fashioned traditionalist churches. If you really love somebody, you just accept them for where they are. If you really love somebody and they're claiming to be a Christian, you have to speak up and say you're in sin and it's going to hurt you. And if you don't say nothing, it's going to continue to go in the church. It's going to spread like yeast and it'll destroy the church. How is that loving when somebody's engaged in behavior and you shut your mouth? I don't want friends like that. I don't want a pastor when I'm involved in sin and I'm even fooling myself who refuses to love me enough to say, listen, come here, let's talk. You're heading down a dangerous road. You need to knock it off. That's the shepherd I want. I don't want a brother or sister in Christ who knows what I'm struggling with. And, and again, I'm under illusion. I'm fooling myself. I'm trying to rationalize my sin and stuff like that. Who knows what I'm going through and, and, and just sits there with me as I go down this harmful road and start to destroy my walk with Jesus and my witness and never says a word. That's not a brother or sister in Christ. What's that all about? And that's why he says, that. He says, listen, you want to reject it? You can rationalize it. You can accuse it. You could beat the person who loves you enough to point it out. He says, you're not rejecting that person. You're rejecting the Lord. That's God's standard. And because and ultimately, it's not just sin against him. Listen, all of God's commands are for our benefit. They're for our good. And when we reject that, we're saying, God, you don't know what's right. You don't know what's good, which is sin in itself. You're charging God with wrongdoing, right? Job, man, when he lost everything, the Bible says there, he says, and he did not sin with his mouth by charging God with wrongdoing, right? He said, hey, God gives, God takes away. Blessed be his name, right? Okay, but we need to be sexually pure, he says there, uh, as men. Listen to this, and even making a covenant is your next blank their covenant with his eyes to guard his sinful thoughts, okay? Turn real quick to Job 31. This is a great, Job 31. Make a covenant contract, Job 31, okay? With sinful thoughts, right? Now how does a sinful thought get in your head in the first place? Well, some of it could be spiritual, but you know what? The eyes are the lamp to the body, the scripture says, Jesus says, right? So what you see starts to affect what you rattle around in your brain, right? Now listen to what Job says here, 31, verse 1. He says, I have made a covenant with my, what? Eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. I made a contract. I made an agreement. I thought beforehand, okay? I'm not gonna do that. I can't do it, okay? Turn the head. I like one guy, he said he trained his son uh, uh, as, as a, here's a godly man, right? Training his son to be a godly man and if you know, again, you can't live in that piano box on the river, okay, like I used to. <laughs> okay, you can't live, in, you got to be in the world, right? And you can't control what the world does, especially here in Vegas. It's all about billboards, lights, whatever, Ooh, okay? And what he, would, what he would train his son is they lived in this uh, small community, smaller community, and the downtown, it was more historic area, and all the buildings were made of bricks, Right? And so he'd come by, and every time when he would see, not just a simple billboard or something, but just like, say, a lady who was dressed probably not very appropriately, very seductively, whatever. That's a lesson, ladies, okay? But uh, uh, he, would see, he would train his son, to, it's just, what do you, the response time's critical. I, I made a covenant with my eyes, right? I, it's called this, turn your head. And what he said, he'd train his son to count bricks. And so when the temptation came by, he turned his head, you know, in that town, And you're looking at the building, one, two, three, four, five, and you just wait for it to go by. Turn your head, count bricks, okay? Now, turn over another one. This is what uh, David says this, Psalm 101, okay, Psalm 101, verse three, David says the same thing. Now, David, I don't know the timing of this particular Psalm, it was before or after Bathsheba, Okay, but either in the writing of this, he learned his lesson the hard way and he writes this or this is before and he unfortunately didn't keep it. But notice what he says there uh, in uh, verse three, uh, Psalm 101 verse three, David says, I will set no, uh, before my eyes, no vile thing or I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. Okay, is what he's there. Now, I don't know about you, but the crackler, Wow, man, it's cool. Let's close in prayer. I'm freaked out. No, okay, uh, let's continue. I'm hoping to at least finish this paragraph but David says this and, and Job says the same thing I'll make a contract I'm not going to look at a lustful girl in my eyes and get, ladies that can do the same thing they tempt you with guys too it's the same thing unfortunately uh, especially today he says man I'm not going to set anything wicked before my eyes Okay, and uh, many times I, I've had guys coming to me especially dealing with uh, pornography and get addicted to that which by the way did you know studies show that uh, the addiction to pornography and they doing studies on the brain uh, the addictions to the pornography is very similar to the level of addiction to somebody who's on heroin it's that oh, deep of, an, of, of a deal, okay? And uh, But I tell guys, they always go, oh, gosh, Bill, I'm just torment, and i just I'm convicted as a Christian, it's just this and that and whatever. And I say, listen, we've I'll, I'll, I'll we got a lot to talk about, but let me give you some instant, quick relief. I'm going to tell you to do one thing when you leave my office. You make this covenant. You do one thing, and I'm just going to throw out a figure, but I think it's pretty accurate. You're going to 80%... One thing, 80% of these lustful thoughts will be gone just like that. Not saying all of them, but about 80%. Yeah, what is, what is, what is it? I used to do something like this. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's the old days, right? Uh, shut the TV off. What? Yeah. You sit there, you had a great time with Jesus Christ, you flip that baby on, you can't even get through a commercial. What's going in your eyes? That's what they use to sell stuff, is lust. You can't even watch a sitcom. And they're not even, and that's a whole other thing. It's not just a thing. It's just they don't even honor marriages, fornicate. Whoever gets married anymore on, on stuff like that. Why are you doing that? You don't think that that's going to affect your brain? You sit there, have a great time with Jesus. Then before you go to bed, you got two hours of, and then you sit there going, oh, why won't this get out of my brain? What? <laughs> You're doing it to yourself. Make a covenant. Shut it off. All right. Junk in, junk out. Right? right. I'm telling you, that's the biggest thing. The other stuff, because you, you can't control society, okay, you can't control your home. Okay. Why go there and torture yourself? But when that happens in society, learn to turn your head. Turn your head. Count bricks. Count bricks. Okay. And I'm telling you, it goes down just like that. You know what? Unfortunately, what do people do? Yeah, but it's just one shut, Whatever. Lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You know, come to me when you really want, when you're broken. Maybe you'll be ready now. I'm sorry. You know the way out. Make a covenant, make a con. I like this couple quotes on TV. Groucho Marx, he says, I find TV very educational. Every time somebody turns it on, I go in another room and read a book. right? And then one guy said this, how much TV would we watch if you had to chop wood to keep it going? right? It's just like mind candy. Mind candy is so easy, isn't it? Most of the junk that's on there is so awesome and encourages us in our walk with Jesus. It gets us to think about God and serve. Why is there so much sin? I think it's because we're not making a covenant with our eyes, okay? Uh, Let's continue on. So he needs to do that. Uh, Number three, he needs to be in subjection, okay? Subjection. Uh, Is what he talks about there to the human government by obeying the laws paying his taxes praying for his leaders and being involved in the voting process. I've said this many times before don't throw the baby out the bathwater. We're going to balance it out. I believe with the next point. Okay, where our hope truly lies. Okay, but if we got the freedom you might as well at least go ahead and follow through with that. But again the caveat here even with Romans 13 is a classic passage. Oh, the government says that I have to uh, go along and approve abortion. I don't care if the government said that. Now you're violating, there's a higher law than that. And I don't have to follow that as a Christian. That's not what he's saying blindly, okay? People get that confused, okay? But if they're asking you to obey the speed limit, that's against my constitutional right. <laughs> yeah, have, have, yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? What kind of a witness is that? I shared with you before that one Christian man, he says, man, uh, I purposely, on purpose, do not put any Christian bumper stickers, not even the fish symbol on my car because I know that I don't drive the speed limit and I don't want to be a bad witness. As if God's not watching. <laughs> what? It was a pastor. And his name was, and his phone, no, I won't go there. Uh, what? It's crazy, folks. Okay, we need to be that witness, Okay doesn't mean that you can't uh, argue your case before the judge or the police officer, but you need to be respectful. As Paul says, they don't wear the sword, today's gun, for nothing. Okay, be respectful, okay? But if the government asks you to do something unbiblical, no way, okay? is the balancing point. So you need to be, be in subjection to that, okay? Number four, the Christian man should be actively sharing, okay, sharing the latest sports statistics, Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's not what it is. Not that that's bad in itself. But, uh, and go go ahead and share all you want with that. But I hope you spend at least that much amount of time sharing the g- g- gospel. Okay, the gospel. The Christian man should be actively sharing his faith in word and in deed. Again, you're not just saying it. What are you backing it up with? Your life. Okay? And, and, and again, I like this balancing point because yeah, we're supposed to be in subjection to the rulers. But where does our hope ultimately lie? Right? It's Jesus Christ. I was having a conversation with a guy just today. Hey, Pastor Billy, really, you know, the, the times are getting bad. And, you know, What are we going to do if people, if they, they, as Christians, they invade our homes? And, yeah, that could happen. Might come a whole lot sooner than what we want to even believe. Especially with the hate crimes and stuff that's going on right now, right? We've dealt with that in the final countdown study. But what are we going to do? I said, you know what? i tell you what. Did you realize that the plan has never changed for the church? Did you know there's never been a plan B? Did you realize that it's always been plan A? I mean, did you realize that the early church with the Roman persecution, all that stuff, uh, what, how did they deal with it? Well, let's see. They, they loved God with all their heart, mind, and soul. They hung out with each other and loved each other and took care of each other. And they got busy sharing the gospel. And tons and tons of people got saved. I said, do you realize that that's still the same plan? I said this, you worried about somebody coming to you with a gun to your head? I got a theory that it goes like this. If you don't want somebody to shoot you in the head with a gun... Win them to Christ. Because the Christian's not going to shoot you in the head. Do you get it? See, that's the balancing point. Hey, be active as long as we've got the freedom. as my thing. That's great. But don't, but don't think that that's where your hope is. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. You want to make a difference? You can't. Laws. No amount of laws can change a human heart. Ask the Jewish people. Right? No amount of laws can change a human heart, but Jesus Christ can. A law cannot keep somebody from doing some heinous crime, even murdering somebody, but Jesus Christ can. And if you want to provide protection, the best protections also, then win as many as you can to Christ. That's the balancing point. And as men, we need to be leading the way by that example. One more and we'll close. He says there's an allowing the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in his life. His goal in life, here's your blank, Number five, it's all about not me, it's about Jesus Christ. Your whole goal is to glorify God and enjoy Him always. Back to the first premise that we saw there. Every day when I get out of bed, what is my mandate? God, how can I please you? This is your day. Thank you, God. Have you ever realized this? It's another day closer to seeing you face to face. But I'm still here. So it's another privileged day to hopefully be used of you to bring glory and honor to you and maybe win a soul to you by your spirit. And maybe be a loving support to a fellow brother or sister in Christ. What an awesome day. Every day in Christ is an awesome day, right? But I'm telling you, if you get up with that mindset, I, this and that me, and I'm not getting what I want, and this and that, and what am I going to do, and this and that, and if I don't get to do this, and if I don't work out, uh, no wonder we always start off with a cruddy attitude, Right? But when you get up and your mindset is to glorify Jesus Christ, whatever you do in word or deed, every single day, whatever day, how many days you got left, it's about him. Whole different mindset. And you might actually finally be in a position to listen in your workplace or neighborhood when he says, tell them about me. Instead of your mind is cluttered with, I can't get that raise, and I didn't do that, and I'm sick of this. If your mindset's about Jesus, Maybe you can finally hear what He has for you to do in that day to please Him. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done. What even we're going to do? He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows the Ten Commandments uh, the ninth one says this you shall not bear false witness okay that's called lying okay and if you've ever told a lie once which we all have myself included the Bible says that makes you a liar okay the the another commandment says you shall not steal okay Uh, and you might think well that's something that everybody does well it doesn't make it right